Weekly Signals. Join me, Mike Casper, and Nathan Callahan for the best in reality-based radio. That's Weekly Signals. Check out the website at weeklysignals.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, our show is about finding your inner GPS. Doesn't that sound interesting? And it sounds like it's a private thing to do. So I actually was reading Radio TV Interview Magazine, and I saw this ad that says, this psychotherapist empowers you to find your inner GPS. And of course, that sounded so intriguing. And um, we gave him a call, and then we found out that he's local. And not only is he local, but he attends a church that I attend. So it was such a small world. And I thought, well, maybe that's part of my GPS, finding this guy. But let me tell you a little bit about Leonard Simchek. He is a psychotherapist and educator for over 25 years, both in Australia, which I love Australia, and America, working with individuals, couples, families, and groups. He was the director of the Family Therapy Program at the Marriage and Family Center in Sydney, Australia. And he later served as a senior affiliate therapist with the Family Institute at Northwestern University. His new book, The Roadmap Home, Your GPS to Inner Peace, is right in front of me. It's a fantastic book. And by the way, he's also the author of the novel Cuckoo Forevermore, a lighthearted satire on psychotherapy and its sequel, Kookaburra's Last Laugh, which is due out sometime this year. Leonard has conducted countless seminars and presentations and has written numerous articles on mental health, personal development, stress management, and relationship building. And throughout his whole life, Leonard has been committed to ongoing personal growth, and he believes firmly in the power of the individual to overcome adversity and transform one's life. A clinical social worker, Leonard lives near the beach in California, right here in Orange County, where he writes, he conducts seminars, and maintains a private practice. You can learn more about him and this new book at theroadmaphome.com. So thank you so much, Leonard, for joining us today. I'm very happy to be on your show, Mari. Yeah, now even though we're in California, we do, you know, we're on the internet, so people can hear us all over. I have to say before we start, Sydney was my very favorite city. I love it. It is, it's like a mini San Francisco with warm weather. 
I don't know how you ever left it. I loved it. Well, Sydney is my favorite city as well. It's just a phenomenal place. My daughter lives in Sydney right now, oh. and it's just a phenomenal place. As you said, it's warm. It's like uh, San Francisco. You're on the wharf. It's just a phenomenal place. It really is, yeah. I, I met some people, actually, um, they were living in Manly, and um, so they invited us to their home because we had gone, I, my kids and I went on a cruise that uh, that ended up in Sydney. So we got to go and stay at their house, and that was really fun. It's it's like going to Sausalito from San Francisco. It's just amazing. But anyway, let's talk about you. You, you wrote this book, and it's called The Roadmap Home, the Your GPS to Inner Peace. I have it right here in front of me. It's a great book. Can you talk about the personal challenges in your own journey that, that helped you or caused you to write this book? Well, you know, there's the old saying that authors write best what we need to learn. Right. And I, for me, my personal challenges uh, had to do with almost losing my home. Uh, my father left the family when I was young. First time he left, I was six. Second time, I was nine. And so my mom was a single mom raising four children on the south side of Chicago. And she was overwhelmed at the time and not really sure if she could really manage the four of us. And so in the summer of 1957, she took all of us to an orphanage Mm. with the prospect that we might live there. She just wanted to have a backup plan. And so she thought, well, at least let's take the kids here to see if, if this is a possibility. But when I visited that orphanage, I realized that I had lost my home. And, you know, Mari, when you think of home, home is a place where we feel safe and secure, protected. We can retreat in the face of adversity and, and really be our true self. Well, that wasn't my home growing up in the family. And because of my experience of uh, my father's mental illness, domestic violence, financial struggles, I always felt that home could be stolen in a flash. And that really started me on this uh, odyssey of my life about really getting to a, an understanding of what home really is. And I think the gift out of all this was, you know, out of our deepest wounds comes our greatest gifts, and, and my gift was a quest, and that quest was to find home, which led me to write this book. Well, you know, that's so wonderful, because sometimes when people experience what you experience, they end up, you know, when they have a broken home, when they have these kind of challenges, they turn to, you know, hang out with people that are negative. They end up doing things like getting in trouble with the law. So, you know, you we have choices in life. And the choice you made was, is that, you know, is the is life half, you know, the glass half empty or is it half full? And you took the chance on making things better and helping other people. And we have to admire you for that. And uh, thank you for doing that, too. Well, thank you. I, I think all of us are presented with, Oh, many challenges in life, and especially now, I see more and more people facing financial challenges, relationship difficulties, health problems, personal crises, and each one of these, I see them as wake-up calls that can help us move our eyes inward to really take a look at what's really going in our in ourselves and how we can connect with our true self, our authentic self, really going in and find that inner guidance system. Right. And things that happen to us in life, and I've learned this in my old age, is that everything in life happens for a reason. And, and we're here in school. School, you know, life is school, at least from my perspective. And we got lots of lessons to learn. And so 
we can look at each opportunity, each lesson, whether it be a real challenge or very painful, as an opportunity for great growth. And obviously, uh, you have sure manifested that great growth in your books. So we're we're thrilled that uh, you're you're sharing this with us. Well, thanks. And you know, Mara, you're you're so so accurate when you talk about every every situation in life, even a, a horrific situation, is giving us a lesson. And our goal is to try to understand what it is, the meaning that we have in this experience, in this lesson, and what am I to learn, and how can I move up the mountain away from the adversity and get to that jewel, which is at the top of the mountain, which is our tremendous gift and a lesson. Yes. And for those of you who are listening and you're used to hearing about information privacy, every once in a while you'll hear me talk about different types of privacy, personal privacy, information privacy, physical privacy. And what we're talking about today really is our inner privacy, the the inner self within us. And all of us have it. And we all have challenges in life. Some some are luckier that maybe they don't have them at, at a time right now when they're listening to this, but I guarantee no one gets out of this uh, out of this world without having some challenges. So this is a great time for us to look about what's going on within us, within our own private sanctuary, to see what's going on in life. So so let's talk about this roadmap. Uh, what is the roadmap, and and where is home? Well, you know, when you think about it, uh, I think the the roadmap means that often many of us are lost. We don't really know where we're going. And one of my favorite movies and books is The Wizard of Oz. And I think that of Dorothy, she had to have this tornado in her life to uh, get her away from Kansas and into this strange place. And she needed the the good witch of the North, Glinda, to help her move her way and find a way home. Well, today we don't have a witch. We have our GPS. Mm-hmm. And uh, the GPS is the guiding power of spirit to bring us back home. And I believe home is a place where we're deep inside. We feel authentic. We feel connected. We really are connected with spirit in our deepest home where we really feel a sense of inner peace and calm. And the roadmap is, is the way. It's the yellow brick road to find that way inward. It's a circular process that takes us inward so we can find that deep well of inner peace. You know, so many people that I meet, and I'm sure I was like this when I was younger, and I'm hopefully not there anymore. I'm, I'm a little bit further. But so many of us look for home outside of ourselves, you know, in a boyfriend, in a significant other. You know, here we are in the campus of the University of California, Irvine. People are looking to have a career, something to have as their, something that they establish themselves as who they are in their career, or material success, or a, a lover, or a marriage, a home, you know, a wife, a husband. And we talk about, you know, you're talking about the home, the hearth, the, the heart. Um, you know, we take ourselves with us wherever we go. But when we perceive ourselves outside of ourselves and attempt to find it in the material matters, what happens to us? I think uh, that's an excellent point, Mari, because we're trained to put our eyes, look, use our eyes to see outside of ourselves for gratification. So as you said, like either in a relationship or finances or whatever, we're looking, if only I had this right partner, if only I had enough money, if only I have... Oh, this wonderful home or car, I'm going to be at peace with myself and I'll be happy. 
Well, we know those are just transitory. They don't last forever. Whereas what really does last forever is this inner peace that comes from inside of ourselves. Unfortunately, we're taught, really as we're growing up, to look to the outside world. I mean, look at commercials, advertising. Everything's telling us if you want to be happy, you can find this partner or take a pill or do something that will, will transform you. And we don't get a lot of reinforcements to really turn our eyes inward so we can, we can become more aware of what's really going on inside of ourselves and begin to move into this sacred space that exists within all of us. You know, Leonard, I do a lot of divorce mediation, So, and I know you do a lot of couples therapy, so I'm sure you hear the same things I hear. And I hear things like, well, I just wasn't happy. He didn't make me happy anymore, or she didn't make me happy anymore. And um, there's this outward blame, you know, when, when people are blaming the other party and they think that they're going to go on by themselves. And I, I used to have this cartoon that you would love, and I can't find it. I don't know where it was, but it was a, a cartoon with these two owls sitting in a tree. And one owl says to the other owl, you stink and I'm getting out of here. And uh, then he goes to the next nest, and it's either a he or a she, I don't want to say he, but goes to the next nest. And then in the next nest, again, the partner says, you stink and I'm getting out of here. And it goes on for like five different uh, nests that this that this owl goes to. Finally, the last picture shows the owl standing sideways, and um, it says it take you take your blank with you wherever you go. And there's a little turd hanging off of his butt. <laughs> and I used to always, and I can't That's find cute. it. I should, I should find somebody to, to draw it for me again, only it was the cutest thing. And I would show that to my clients whenever they blame the other one. I said, you know, you are going to take yourself with you wherever you go. So whether you move to another state or you have a new relationship or you have a new re- career, unless you, I think, find your home within yourself, you're going you're gonna to just take yourself with you wherever you go, and you're never going to be happy. No one is going to make you happy. No career is going to make you happy. You know, we have to really find it within ourselves. So that's why I really like your book, The Roadmap Home, your GPS to finding inner peace. The only way we're going to find inner peace is when we really get that, cent- you know, get to that centered part, which is really not easy. No, it's not. And, you know, w- when you look at relationships, Mari, I think we all taught that, you know, we're looking for this romantic partner, and this other partner will compliment me. And, and sometimes we're looking to the other person to fulfill my needs. And I have this old saying, um, two half-wits do not make a whole wit. <laughs> I love it. And so, you know, it's, it's, we are all meant to find this wholeness within myself, because if I don't, then I'm going to be projecting all my negativity onto the other person. So couples who get together, they... They fall in love, and they're projecting all their idealized vision of what the other person is. But then after a while, they start seeing all these negatives and say, where did these negatives come from? They were always there, but they're often projections of our own negatives so that we can see parts of ourselves so we can heal them. Right. They're mirrors for us so we can learn. Correct. I know when when my husband will say something to me that I don't want to hear, I know that what he's really doing is he's a mirror for me because I'm I'm oblivious to it or I don't want to see it. And uh, so it's interesting. I mean, I've I've had enough uh, counseling and, and, and inner work to know that I don't like to hear it, but I sure better hear it. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, I think the thing is, Mari, too, is that, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of taught that to not really reveal a lot of ourselves. And I think we're taught to have these masks on ourselves. So let's say if I'm feeling depressed, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm feeling upset, if I'm feeling resentful, if I'm feeling, oh, irritated, often, oh, these are perceived as really bad qualities and I better suppress them. As opposed to, if it says, you know, I'm really feeling irritated right now and we're able to express them openly, we could clear through all this garbage very quickly. Right. But if we, if we start holding on, suppressing it, then it starts building up and getting greater and greater. So one little match can ignite this whole gasoline that's been stored up for a long time. You know, the, the name of this show is Privacy Piracy. And, um, you know, we talk about having the right to have privacy, which the right to be left alone, which it was, you know, from the 1800s, that was originally what privacy was. And then privacy in the information age is to have right to control information about you. And when we talk about privacy, and and I'm pretty open with some things, you know, um, I think if revealing your private self in a, with people that you care about and that care about you is very healthy. You may not want to reveal your private self with the entire world, like on Facebook, but with your very close friends to you know, bring out some issues that you want to explore with your dearest friends that care about you. That's a whole nother ball of wax, I think. It is. You know, and I, I want to maybe um, highlight that a little bit. My mother, 97-year-old uh, mother, passed away in April. Oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, well, she had dementia in the last five years, and she was fading. But when she passed away, I was thinking, well, you know, I want to be as authentic as I can as I walk through this, uh, all this grief process. And so even if I went to the supermarket and I was buying groceries, and it was about the day or maybe several days after my mom passed away, and, and the clerk says, well, how are you doing? You know, the natural inclination is to say, oh, I'm fine, whatever. And I says, you know, not too good because my mom passed away. And then I did this throughout as I was walking through this, and the responses were really astounding everyone really kind of stopped and paused, and then they really moved into a deeper, authentic sharing. Yes. You know, my mom um, is still alive, but uh, she has her challenges, and and everyone was just, they just stopped. And I think when we're able to relate more authentically about what really is going on within ourselves, I think it's an invitation to other people that we meet to be more open about their lives. Don't you you think, Mari? Yes, I do. I think it's great modeling I think it's really wonderful modeling to do that. And I think when you did it authentically, and I think that's the, that's the key word, to do it authentically by, you know, it's different when you say, you know, I'm not doing so great because my mom, I just lost my mom and I'm, I'm having a hard time, but thank you for asking. That, that um, I think, engenders sympathy and empathy. If you are having a hard time with your spouse, you know, to come back and get into a blame thing, like, oh, I... I'm in a bad mood because my husband's a total idiot. That <laughs> I just yes. want to clarify, yes. you don't mean that. Exactly. You don't mean that. And I just want to clarify that for anyone who's listening. Because authentically is coming from your true self without blame or anything else. Just talking about how you're feeling. Or, you know, I'm having a challenge. There's some, you know, hard times at home right now. That's different. People can relate and people Absolutely. can give you. But, you know, I just wanted to kind of clarify that. Because I know sometimes people will 
just go off and off. And and we don't want to do that because we will actually turn people away if we do it in that way. But when you do it authentically, like you said, I think it does give people the opportunity to be, you know, kind and empathetic. And I think everybody really wants to be that way. I mean, even when I read something in the newspaper about some sad thing that that happens and, um, you know, I have such empathy that I want to, you know, send, you know, a check or something to some foundation that these people are starting in their son's name or something like that. I think that's when we hear what uh, the real authentic aspect of it. So I just wanted to kind of give that little tidbit. Because, you know, I I think authentic sharing means that I am talking about what I'm really thinking and feeling, really within myself, speaking from my heart, and that I know that I'm, I'm trying to relate in a way that's connecting with other people as well. Whereas if, as you said, if I'm blaming somebody else or criticizing or whatever, it's really taking away from who I am. Now, I may be upset about what something has, someone has said to me, and I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a difficult time, as you said. I'm, I'm having a hard time right now because of uh, some conflict at home. Yeah. I mean, that's a very authentic sharing, and, yes. and people can understand that. And st- strangely, I believe people really feel more connected when we are more authentic in that way. Exactly. We are speaking with Leonard Simchuk, who has been a psychologist and educator for over 35 years, both in Australia, gorgeous Australia, and America, working with individuals, couples, families, groups, oh, just everybody. And he does speaking engagements and seminars. And we're actually talking about his new book, The Roadmap Home. Your GPS to Inner Peace, which I have sitting right in my hand. And I love the cover, too, Leonard. It's so cute. With It has a little GPS, uh, and it says, Guiding Power of Spirit with a Heart and a Little Home. It's a great cover, and it's got this man holding a GPS in his hand. It's, uh, it's terrific. I love it. Well, thank you. I, I always think that home, when you think of home, people tend to think more of heart, and GPS is is the guiding signal that we have to get home. You know, I have a GPS that I use in my car, and when I go to any place that I'm really oh, maybe unfamiliar with, a new location, boy, am I so grateful to have this GPS because I just plug in the address, and it guides me to the right, to the left, where I'm supposed to go, and I just feel so relaxed as I'm driving as opposed to having a sheet of paper with with complex directions on there. Right, and being nervous. And being nervous. The same thing can happen in our lives, and I think we're meant to be able to relax through life if we can only calm down and really connect with this guiding power of spirit, with this inner voice, this inner uh, place of, of guidance that will guide us through life. But we have to be still so we can hear the messages. That's the difficulty. If my mind is whirling away, it's hard to know and to listen to the messages as they're coming through. Yes. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, the host of Privacy Piracy, and we are speaking right now with Leonard Simchuk, who is the, the author of the Roadmap Home, Your GPS to Inner Peace. You know, you were just talking, Leonard, about, you know, the GPS that each of us have within us and that we need to get still and get quiet so that we can hear it. You know, all of us are familiar with that intuition that we get. You know, it's that 
it's that voice in us that tells us, you know, this is dangerous or don't yes, do yes, this yes. or uh-oh, you know, you almost feel it. You don't feel it in your head. You don't hear it in your head as much as you feel it in your gut or in your solar plexus or in your heart cave. And a lot of us don't always listen to it. And and I think that's part of the guide within us when we when we aren't listening with our you know, it isn't our head talking, it's our heart talking to us. And I think everyone can relate to that inner GPS and know that it's there. And it's, I'm sure I don't know anyone who hasn't heard their intuition talking to them. It's just a matter of whether they choose to listen to that. Everyone has this GPS. Everyone has sparks of intuition. Everyone has this gut feeling that has helped them in life or a significant dream. And the reason we don't pay attention to our GPS is, number one, if we don't believe in it and for, we don't think it exists, and maybe people in the you know, 1800s thought a GPS would have been pretty bizarre. But once we realize that we have this inner GPS and we turn it on, we have, do have to turn it on, meaning that we have to be attentive and aware of these messages and uh, be sensitive to the messages that are coming. I got a message today, today. Uh, uh, today I was working in the morning uh, in the office, and I had some mail, and there was a uh, a letter from uh, uh, a publishing company, and they were talking or presenting about a pitch fest that's going to happen in Los Angeles. And I thought, wow, uh, I looked at this, and my, I saw green. You know, I just green is kind of like a message for me. It's a go. And so as soon as I picked it up, I really didn't have to read it. I just saw go, go. <laughs> and so, okay, go. Okay, let's see what I'm going to go to. <laughs> so as I'm reading it, I says, yeah, of course I'm going to go. But again, this is kind of a flashes of intuition that occurs to us all. And if we can remember just to, to know that we can trust to this inner guidance system, it will direct us easily, effortlessly, and safely to wherever we need to go. Yeah, and I think in this hustle-bustle life where we are just inundated with, you know, I get literally hundreds of emails a day. So, you know, I'm on my computer or I'm on my BlackBerry or I'm on the phone. I mean, it's just busyness, busyness, information. And I and I think young people like the university students here and probably the, the business people who are driving by or people who are listening on their podcast we're, you know, they're just inundated with information. And it's, it's almost incredible to try and find that quiet time to, to get centered so you can hear that intuition talking to you or that you can get that, that little voice that really is going to guide you, that GPS. Yeah, you know, I think the, the hardest thing for me, just like you, is the busyness. I get caught up in this busy world myself, and I imagine a overhead fan that's whirling around and that's i try to look at this and says okay how fast is my mind spinning today and this gives me an indication of of how i'm kind of caught up in this busy busy world i do have to start each morning with some meditation and some quiet time it could be a walk by the beach or just sitting in quiet reflection just to help me stay centered at the very early morning because that's the that's the time that we really need to start programming ourselves just to be calm and quiet rather than rushing around uh, to get out the door. That's very important. And then throughout the day, we can also take moments of time just to stop and be reflective and say, okay, what's really going on? To be aware of my feelings, what, what am I thinking? 
what's happening in my heart so that I can stay connected to myself. Yes, yes. Well, know, it's easier said than done, Mari. No, I know. I stumble all the time. Oh, I know. I get, all of us. And I've been practicing this for uh, 35 years. And there's sometimes I just get sucked into this world of busyness because that's this tremendous, uh, it's almost like a vacuum cleaner, just sucking. I know, I know. You know, I, I, am, uh, I went to, to school in the 60s and, you know, I graduated college like 1970, so everybody's going to know how old I am. But you know, I was, that was my age of, you know, the Beatles. And so when they got into transcendental meditation, of course, I thought that was the thing to do. And I got into that. And basically, I have kept that. And I do that also every morning, I get up early, and I meditate, not as long as I would like to, but I always make sure I have some time. And I'm sitting here in um, my office, I built a, you know, my radio studio, but I've got right next to me, I've got this little fountain. <laughs> and it's just a little fountain sitting next to a little Buddha, and it's just sitting there right now to ho- to remind me, because when you look at this Buddha face, it just looks so peaceful. So I just have it sitting there to remind me to just try and get centered. And so the reason I'm bringing it up and sharing this is that I know so many students on the campus, and my daughter is just graduating here from UCI herself, and I know that they're so caught up with, you know, getting ready for graduate record exams and LSATs and studies and graduate school and what kind of work and da 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 that they don't even have the time to sit down. And it, you know, even for 10 minutes, it's, it's so much more um, peace-giving to be able to do that. And, you know, Mari, what they could do, one of the rituals that I use before I start work is I light a candle. Mm-hmm. That candle just says to me, I'm just going to light the candle. It's going to help me just, just be reflective. And as the candle's flickering away, it reminds me just to, to stay centered to the inner light within. And I was thinking of your students as you were talking. And a lot of times students are rushing through trying to get their work done. But if they were able to sit in quiet and then imagine doing the exam, imagine an outcome of an exam that really they felt victorious and they felt confident and at peace and serene and they saw themselves with a great grade, that, that image will help pull them through any of the difficult studying that may need to occur. And I think uh, that, that end result, that image, is a terrific tool that they could use to just, just reduce some of the stress that I know students all experience, especially around exam time. That's such a great and important point to visualize and visualize themselves serene and calm and visualize them doing well. And then, you know, it's like, uh, like they say, you know, see it and you'll believe it. And I mean, believe it and you'll see it. That's true. You know, and I, <laughs> let me share a, a story that uh, I moved from Chicago two years ago to Southern California. Now, where were you? Were you from in Chicago? Because I'm actually from Oak Park. Oh, you're from Oak Park. I, I lived uh, <laughs> in Lincoln Park, uh, Tinley Park, and in uh, Brighton Park. Isn't that funny? Isn't that Small funny? Small world. I lived in Australia for 14 years uh, in, uh, later on, too. Mm-hmm. But, Just you know, when I moved from Chicago to California, I had to take new licensing exams because California doesn't have right. reciprocity. So I had to right. take two really difficult licensing exams. And as I was preparing for these exams, I'd play this one computer game. Uh, and at the end, if you win, it says, congratulations, you won. And so I'd be playing that periodically just to see congratulations you won. 
And then as I'm studying, I says, geez, and I'm feeling, boy, this is overwhelming stuff. This is pretty difficult, and I've got to learn new, new material. I'd play the game. I'd say, congratulations, you won. So anyway, when I took the exams, I had to take the first one, and after I passed the first one, I had to take a second one. But it was so astounding because after I passed the first one, it was like 200 very difficult questions. I said, well, I don't know if I passed. It took four hours, and I pressed the button, and it says, congratulations, you won, or congratulations, (laughs) you passed. I thought, wow, it was almost just like on a computer game. See, you created that reality. Exactly. No, I know. When I had to take the, the bar exam in California, it was the same thing. I had to meditate. I had to visualize and the same thing when I took the privacy exam. So, yeah, I mean, it really is important. If you're a student listening to this and, you know, you're going to school and, or summer school or whatever, you need to think about getting centered and visualizing your future, visualizing a serene, uh, you know, time where you go in to take your exams and that everything comes out really well. I mean, you have to study, too, but, <laughs> you know, you're not going to, you, know, you, you, know, you have to do the work, too. You do have to work. If you're perceiving yourself in a serene, calm place, your brain, your, your mind will absorb much more information than if your body's trying to combat anxiety and fear. Right. Because then the body is, is overwhelmed. It's, it's trying to deal with multiple tasks at the same time. It's trying to deal with anxiety and fear, plus bringing this information in. But if you reduce the anxiety and fear, you give yourself more space to take in all this new information. Right. Now, you know, in your book, you explain the process of evolving spiritual development. And for those of you who are listening, we're we're not talking about religion. It doesn't matter what religion you believe in, or even if you don't believe in a religion. Um, But there is this place within you that is connected to a higher consciousness. And so you could call it God, you could call it the universe, you could call it whatever you want to call it. But to be able to get to this centered place It is a spiritual development in any way you want to call it. So you talk about six stages and with each stage representing this stage. Can you talk to us about those six stages? Yes. Imagine a caterpillar. Uh, It starts with a a seed and then the caterpillar starts growing. When I was in Australia, my kids and I raised silkworms for a hobby. Ah. And so just watching those little caterpillars, they eat mulberry leaves, and then watch them grow and evolve, and then they start building their cocoon and then move into uh, becoming the silk moth, and then they'd mate, lay the eggs, and then the cycle would be finished, ready to start for the next year again. And many people don't think of spiritual evolution as going through a series of stages. But it does, just like everything in life. Everything is evolving. And just to go back to your point, I want to reiterate that uh, this spiritual process is really something that happens to everyone. And it has nothing to do with religion. It's it's that we are all spiritual beings on this human excursion, and we have to go through this, this process. So when we're born in this earth existence, we, we begin to start taking on, downloading all the information from our culture, from society, from our caregivers, and then we start adapting to whatever information we have. It's like we're computers just downloading all this information. And so if I was born in China, I'd have a whole different way of perceiving than if I was in Iraq, than if I was in Canada or America. And so we start taking all this information, believing that this is us. Well, in fact, well, it's not us. It was just, just a programming. And over time, this programming 
takes us away from our true self, our really spiritual essence, by believing that we are this ego, this identity that's forged out of all the downloaded programs. And when I'm furthest away from home, it means I'm an orphan. I, I have lost that sense of home, just like Dorothy having lost Kansas. We're furthest away from home, and that's when the wake-up calls occur. The wake-up calls occur to give a signpost to get us back on the road, this yellow brick road, to find home. But once we're on the yellow brick road, the, the evolution means we have to start uh, breaking free of these old programs, these old restrictions, so that we can really get back into the place where we can click our heels and return back home. I love that analogy. You know, people, when they go through death, dying, divorce, all the major tragedies, you know, losing a parent, losing a child, losing a sibling, all these major, major um, tragedies that we experience in life really help us to, to, to really, you know, recognize that that we're far, right? It just helps us to recognize that we're far unless we've already so been on true. the path. You yeah, when I look at wake-up calls in my life, they really kind of, sometimes they're, they're like a four-by-two hitting me over the head saying, Leonard, wake up. Oh, wow. And I realize, wow, I've been putting all my energy into getting anxious about something outside of me, whereas I really can do something about just being still and saying, oh, so this is what I'm really needing, and this is what's happening to me. So right. wake-up calls, like usually a lot of crises, right. uh, do, do uh, the kind of crash and burn force us to wake up. Yeah, like the phoenix rising out of the ashes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about these different stages now. I think people can probably relate to that. Even the students, you know, if you've had a, um, a, a very disturbing thing happen to you in your life, then, you know, you know what it feel like, feels like to be in the fifth dimension or alienated or to feel so far from home or out of sorts, like you talk about Dorothy. So um, let's talk about these stages, these awakening processes. Okay. So let's, let's just start off uh, again. The, the different stages are so when we, we come here, we're really forced into adaptation, and then we become an orphan. And then the third stage, you start having these wake-up calls. And then the signpost starts coming. And then the next step is for us to start staying awake. And that means we, uh, we, we're learning how to, be stay, to stay conscious each moment to moment. And that often requires us to increase our sense of awareness and just being aware of what's going on with me and then to accept whatever's happening with me. So let's say if I'm aware, geez, I'm... I'm aware that I'm irritated. Well, rather than beating myself up about being irritated, I accept my irritation. And not only do I accept it, but then I forgive myself for being irritated because the irritation has occurred because there was an, a need that wasn't being met. And then I can stop and say, ask myself, okay, what am I needing? Hmm, what am I needing? Then I could even put it out to the GPS says, this is what I'm needing. And then I'm asking for making a request to get this need satisfied, and then I'm listening. I'm listening for the response. And this builds a, a connection to this like radio frequency, the GPS signal between me and, and the GPS and spirit, so that spirit can begin having a dialogue and connection with me. That's when, that's when we really start recognizing that we're not alone, that we're really here connected with everybody else, just like Mara, you and I are connected as we're having our 
conversation today. We're sharing information. And I'm listening all the time for resonance and dissonance. So as you're talking, Mari, I'm listening to what you say that really resonates with me. And if there's any dissonance, well, that doesn't really resonate with me. I just kind of put that aside. But I'm really paying attention to what resonates. And that often gives me the signpost. It says, wow, yeah, that's really what's going on with me. I presume you do that too, don't you, Mari? I think we do. I think actually everybody does that, and but some people are more conscious of it, like you are. You know that it's 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 staying conscious and staying in the moment, which is so hard to do, isn't oh, it? Very hard. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really staying in the moment, and not thinking about what you're going to say back to someone, or or not worrying about what you just said, or you know, people do that all the time, and they're not really hearing each other. That's true. Once I start becoming conscious, then I also become conscious of my limiting beliefs. And I become conscious of what I need to break free. So we have a lot of fear and a lot of guilt. So then I start becoming conscious of the negative programming that's been downloaded. So for me, growing up, I was taught life is a struggle. So that's kind of a negative programming. Life is a struggle. For me, being raised in a family of four by a single mom factory worker, well, life was indeed a struggle. Yeah. And so I have to really watch myself to this day that if life starts getting too easy, I say, well, let's create some more projects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another because project. That, because and all that, of a sudden I'm back to struggle. You just created more struggle. Because that was what was so familiar. Yes, that's right. It, we go back to what is familiar. <laughs> and what is familiar is nothing more than just a download of belief system. That's all it is. I know. I remember when I was going through my divorce and I was really doing a lot of inner work and I was trying to you know, find myself and see if I could get myself on a path like you're talking about. And I remember thinking to myself, um, I wish that I could just take out that program and put in a new program, you know, <laughs> like take yes. the disc out or take, you know, put a new one in with a thumb drive and just make it really easy. And that doesn't happen like that. But I sure wish it would many, many times because you catch yourself when, you know, we like you said, we're, we're in this human experience. And so we catch ourselves doing the things that we know when we're really conscious, we know we don't want to be doing like you, you know, you catch yourself saying, oh, my gosh, I have to create some more chaos now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yes. you just wish, OK, well, why, why is that program still in there? I thought I deleted that program. Just take it out and put in another one. But it's it's really it's it's a it's a challenge. And and what happens to us then is we start recreating in the outside world the same thing that goes on in, in the internal world. So there's a connection between the internal and the out, outside world. So let's say, like for me, um, I was always taught maybe you could always do better. You could always do better. That was kind of a, a mantra by my mom. You could always do better. Jeez, I thought I got good grades. Well, you could always yeah. do better. And so, and, so whenever I, and so I'm sensitive to criticism. And so I see if someone's criticizing me, I says, oh, geez, there's my internal critic saying you could always do better. Uh, and the button gets pushed. The button gets pushed. And so, but as I become conscious, it's really, it has nothing to do. It's just, just, a, just a program. I don't really have to have my buttons pushed as well. Isn't this interesting? Or if my button is pushed, I can say, wow. I'm watching my button get pushed again. Isn't that interesting? Here it goes again. Yeah, I found this cartoon. Now, this one I have, I have to send it to you. It's pretty funny. And um, it's got these two robots sitting in a chair, and it says mediation, or it says counseling office, and then there's the mediator, and then the mediator says, you two really know how to push each other's buttons, you know, when <laughs> they're robots. It's so funny because it. it's true because sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'm sure you do this too with your, when you're with couples. If I'm sitting there with couples 
and someone will say something and it seems so benign to me. Yes. It's like, so like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and you know, like, oh yeah, I, I like spaghetti or something. Something just so off the wall. And the other person will say, ah, you know, you never liked my spaghetti. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, well, you, this you, button you, gets pushed and, and it's just from left field. And I'm going, wait a minute, this sounded really benign. What is this really about? You know. Well, you know, it's so so funny. I was married 26 years, and I was talking to my former wife, Mary Lou, oh, just uh, a week ago. We were just, uh, strangely enough, we've we've kind of been on our own spiritual path, and so we've been, uh, we, you know, we we talk periodically. And so I was talking to her because when we were married, um, I, I wasn't able to fold the towels the correct way, <laughs> and so she wanted me to fold the towels this way. And then I was laughing with her about it. I says, you know, again, that that just uh, was Leonard. You're not good enough. And so when she says, "Oh, don't fold it this way. Fold this. Fold it this way," right. I really felt, "Oh my God, I'm being criticized because I'm not good enough." Right. And again, this, it's, it's <laughs> innocuous. I mean, who cares the way we fold towels? <laughs> right. I mean, her button was pushed that she had to have perfection, and your button yes. was pushed that you were being criticized. Yeah, exactly. So, right. I mean, if somebody yes. would have just talked to the both of you and said, "So why is it so important that the towels?" I mean, who gives in the realm of things who really cares about the towels and then you say well wait a minute you know what's the big deal i'm not being criticized you know so absolutely i know that's why it's so nice to have a third party you know to console us or to at least be a mirror for us and say what is going on here yes it's 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 crazy we are speaking with a wonderful psychotherapist we're speaking with leonard simchuk who has been a psychoanalyst, a psychotherapist, and educator for over 35 years, both in Australia and America. And he co- he consoles people in Orange County and as individuals, couples, families, groups. And he has this wonderful book that I, that I really love. It's called The Roadmap Home, Your GPS to Inner Peace. And you can find out more about the book and about Leonard at theroadmaphome.com. So let me ask you something. Um, why do we really need this GPS? Well, I guess maybe the the answer is that if I'm in my car and I don't know where the heck I'm going and I feel lost, it sure helps me a lot to have a GPS. So do I need a GPS? Well, of course I need a GPS just to help me get to my destination quicker, faster, without any stress. And when I am lost, and again, I'm, I am going to get lost in life. We all get lost. The, the key is to, to be able to plug inside so that I can find that roadmap and move very quickly to my destination. You know, and that's so much better than calling. Um, you know, when I think about this great analogy that you're talking about with the GPS, the GPS, if you have a GPS, an inner GPS, you always have yourself to ask the right questions. Whereas if you get lost and you have to get on the phone or you have to stop and ask directions, you're looking outwardly and you're dependent on another person instead of being able to empower yourself to deal with those issues and to find your way. And, and strangely, as I become more connected with myself, sometimes I'll be directed to stop and ask a stranger. So I, let's say if I'm, I'm, uh, let's say I'm walking down, let's say I'm in Los Angeles, and I'm looking for a particular shop, and I kind of program it in. I said, listen, help me find this particular shop. And then I might just get a nudge and says, ask this person who's coming, walking right toward you. Or uh, the person to your left is going to give you the answer. And then I just say, oh, by the way, you know, I'm looking for this shop. Can you tell me? 
And more often than not, I'm directed or given some guidance to help me on my path. So other people, I think we're meant to help and assist each other, but we will get nudges from the inside to, to make a request of other people. Right. And even to help other people, even when they don't need it. And I, I, let me give you another story. I was at uh, uh, Office Max the other day. I was buying a new uh, office chair. And so the, the, I was talking to the clerk, and she was showing me these different chairs, and, and I can tell she just didn't seem with us. Is there anything wrong? She says, well, you know, uh, you know my life is a bit oh, kind of hectic. I don't know if I really want to be here and whatever. And so I, you know, we were talking together, and, and she was saying, you know, I really would like to be a lawyer. And I had this inner, and I was telling her about my book, and I had this impulse to just tell her, and I said, you know, you, you are meant to be a lawyer. You know, I think it's a great <laughs> idea. You're a young woman. Right. You've got plenty of time on your hands uh, in your life. So if, if that's your calling and you really feel that's an important, be a lawyer. And I said, has anybody else told you you should be a lawyer? She says, everybody does. <laughs> I said, hello, wake up. Everybody's speaking to her. Everybody's speaking to her to give her the message, but somehow she hasn't been able to take it in that this is supposed to follow this path. Right, right. That is funny. You know, I wanted to kind of talk about how when you get it, sometimes you get this intuitive uh, inclination to do something like that, to become a lawyer to, or to do something or to take a trip or to, like you said, to op- you opened up your mail and you go, this is a go. There's also that intuition that tells you when not to do something. I remember reading this book, and you may have read it a long time ago. It was this, If you haven't read this book, and you're a student in the campus or whoever you are, read this book. It's called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. And this one is not about being fearful about everything, but it's about getting in touch with your intuition. And it's about the mosaic of, of criminals. So let's say you get on an elevator and you get this really bad feeling in your stomach or in your solar plexus, like this person is not a person I need to be in this elevator with, okay? You get this bad feeling. He says, when you get it, that's your intuition telling you that something is wrong. Don't say to yourself, oh, I don't want to like embarrass him or embarrass myself by getting out of the elevator. He says, get the heck out of that elevator as quickly as possible and go somewhere where there's a lot of people. And, and he, so, you know, your intuition is not only telling you what you should be doing, but it'll also tell you what you shouldn't be doing. So if you haven't read this book, it's not to get you scared, but it's about getting in touch with that intuition so you make good choices to protect yourself as well. You know, I, by the beach, I'll watch pelicans. And if they're in a flock uh, passing by, the, the lead pelican might fall back and someone from the back will move up. And I thought, wow, these pelicans or any birds know exactly where they're going and when someone else should uh, take the point of the, of the flock. And they, they're operating on this inner system. We are animals, too, and we have these inner systems. And I, I think it's crucial that we begin to recognize this inner system within ourselves, this intuition, this GPS, so that it can help us through life. And you're absolutely right. Our programming has taught us, be nice, don't say this or whatever. But once we're really tuned into the GPS, it will say, no, don't go in this direction, uh, go here. And, and it'll be guiding you away from some people, towards people, away from some destinations, towards other destinations. And it's crucial that we all have it in our life because we're going to be uh, confronted with all kinds of decisions and challenges. And when we don't have our GPS, it, we're going to be driving blindly. Exactly. So how do we find peace and love in friendships and, and 
Now, how do we find that? Is that part of our GPS as well? I think uh, part of our GPS is to really find the inner peace and the love and then to begin to extending it outward. So usually we're looking outward for peace and love and then trying to bring it into ourselves. The key is we find this inner peace, and when I find this inner peace, this well of love begins to permeate and flow through us, and then I can extend it outward, and then the friendships and the relationships also will start feeling this, this love and this peace. And I believe each connection that we're meant to have is supposed to be a, a loving, peaceful connection, it's not a connection of conflict. And we're supposed to be moving more towards togetherness, not separation. And whenever we feel separation in a relationship, it means that somehow I'm feeling disconnected from my GPS. And when I'm feeling more connected with a person and feeling more at peace, it means my GPS is connecting, it's connecting with their GPS, and the difference is phenomenal. Right. You know, I always sit right in the middle of conflict. <laughs> it's my job. Yeah, you're, you're in a very <laughs> difficult situation, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, I don't see it as difficult as much as I see it as challenging, but I see people in conflict all the time. I don't get to see them when they're, um, you know, outside of that, when they are in a peaceful situation. And so to me, it's, uh, it is intriguing. You know, I try and tell them this is a, a blessing in disguise. This conflict is a blessing in disguise. It's going to help you grow. You're going to really, you know, get something out of this that I know it feels yucky right now. Mm-hmm. I know it feels horrible, but we're going to find solutions and you're going to feel better and you're going to move beyond this. But, um, but it is a challenge because when people get into conflict, they lose their way, don't they? They do. And in one way to find it is to, I know I've done this a number of times in my life when I'm really in conflict with somebody, I really try to imagine them and then project love and peace toward them. And so rather than projecting anger and hostility, I'll I'll look at them and I'll look for other parts of themselves that are really lovable or that I can really see. And when I do that, then it starts transforming them out of an adversarial position into someone who's really here to assist me and guide me. Because even in conflict, as you say, Mari, they are trying to teach us something. It may be teaching me about how I handle conflict. It may be teaching me about my rage or my anger. But they're trying to teach me something. And if I'm open to the lesson, then some really good things do occur out of it. Yeah. You know, it's funny, sometimes when, I I just noticed this lately, and I just had um, a mediation today, and I did it down by the water, and um, (laughs) it was, I couldn't, I didn't have any place to take these people. They asked me for a mediation, and it was a a civil case. They asked me for a mediation at the last minute, and all of our conference rooms were taken, and uh, a lot of places were taken, so I took them on our boat, and um, it was so peaceful. The birds were singing all around, and the people were extremely peaceful during this whole process. And I found what a change. You know, when you go into a peaceful place, you get into a peaceful place, the conflict also de-escalates. So I just thought I'd just share yeah, you know, that. And another thing, when I lived in Australia and I was a director of a family therapy program there, we would do a lot of interviews with families, very, very contentious families. And I remember uh, uh, with this very difficult family that uh, just was so hostile, we took a break and said, hey, let's try an experiment. And I brought in a, 
um, or a boombox, and we played very calm, restful music. Right. And I was astounded to see the transformation occur. Is that when the when the family came back into the room and they listened, some, they weren't even aware of the music was playing, but all of a sudden it affected their mood. They started calming down, quieting down, and then from then on, I started playing music in all my sessions. Yes. Yes, that it's, that it's does. It's very calming, just like nature. Nature is very calming. Or just have, like I told you, I just have this little waterfall here sitting right next to me. It's it's only probably about uh, eighteen inches high, <laughs> but but it is wow. calming me to here too. So let's. We don't have a lot of time. We we you know we have a couple minutes left. So why don't we talk about some practical tips that I that you can give my audience that we can use in our daily routine to just get home. You know, we've got one where you talked about soothing music. I talked about this little tiny waterfall that, you know, is not an expensive thing. It's just a little waterfall, 18 inches high. What else can we do? Well, I have a very simple program. It says it's called IRSPCA, uh, RSPEA. So it's, it's inspect. So you're really inspecting your life. Then you're selecting um, parts, let's say a, a, an emotion or a thought that you want to hold. Let's say I'm, if I'm feeling really chaotic, I want to feel more peaceful. I'm, um, I'm rejecting um, um, any element that I don't want to have. Let's say I want to release oh, stress. Um, and then I start uh, projecting it out into the world. So I'm starting to, to imagine myself using my mind to visualize the end result, what I really want to hold into my mind, so let's say inner peace, and then I start expecting that it's going to happen, and then I start accepting it. So I start looking for this inner peace occurring around me. So what I'm projecting, I start looking for. I start training my eyes and my emotions to resonate with what I'm projecting out. So if I'm trying to project, uh, oh, let's say abundance, and people, a lot of people are needing abundance, financial abundance yes. these days. Mm-hmm. So you're projecting abundance. So rather than projecting fear, you're projecting abundance. You're seeing so- yourself abundant. I mean, everybody who lives in America is really abundant because we're living in such a phenomenal place. Right. So just, just to feel the abundance and then to see the abundance around you, even if you're just looking at a tree, wow, the abundance of a tree, and then you just accept it into your life. And that starts building in more and more of these memories to create more and more of whatever you're wanting, such as abundance. Right. And I love your idea of lighting a candle, you know, because that, that'll help you to get centered enough to make, to even think those great thoughts or taking a walk on the beach, like you said, or, you know, just getting centered in a, in a place that feels very, very comfortable, a beautiful place under a tree. So um, those are good things. And everyone who is listening to this really needs to think about getting to that centered space a space, wherever that is for you, that feels so soothing, so comfortable, so peaceful. And then you can do that. And then I think what you need to do is pick up a book and read The Roadmap Home, your GPS to inner peace, so that you can start understanding and getting some great tips from our wonderful uh, psychotherapist, um, Leonard Simchek. And so Leonard, we'll have you back again. And we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Mario. I really appreciate you having me here. And if people wanted to go to the, my, the website, theroadmaphome.com, they can get a free download of uh, some sample chapters and also an MP3 player, too. That sounds very good. Thank you so much. We'll have you back again. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, your host. Join us every Monday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy 
see our upcoming guests, see their bios, go ahead and look at our archived interviews, who we've interviewed, click on those, also download podcasts. And please write us in, you know, any email you wish about giving us feedback or asking questions or giving us ideas for things you want to hear about. We so appreciate your listening. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.